All right, why don't we grab a seat? Uh, today uh, we are we are speaking of uh, cooperating and graduating. That was always a thing uh, in college. Uh, you have to cooperate to graduate. Uh, and <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but uh, um, I know. Um, Oh, that's right. Of course. You and Don, probably in the same cubicle. Just, Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, um, but today we're talking about uh, cooperation with God, or is there cooperation? Um, and that all goes back to free will. Free will is always a, a, uh, an interesting thing uh, because it says so many things underneath. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about. Today, so uh, why don't we why don't we begin uh, with a word of prayer? Uh, God's blessings to you as you join us at home as well. Uh, may this word go well with you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Bless us uh, and grant us faith to discern your word and your truth. Lord, grant us um, a joyful heart, knowing full well that the burdens have been lifted and we live right now in your name. Bless us and lead us and guide us. In the reality that you have chosen us by your grace alone. Lord, for all these things we are thankful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So, the question posed today, my friends, is, uh, do people believe in Jesus because they decide to follow him by their own free will? Do people believe in Jesus because they decide to follow him? So when we speak of decisions um, by their own free will, what, what can we say about that? What are some things that pop up in your mind when it comes to decision, uh, follow, choice, uh, free will? What, what, what pops up? Anyone? And there's never a bad. It's my doing. It's my, it's my decision. Okay. My decision, my doing. Okay, good. That, that's what a lot of people think, right? In, in college, there's a lot of, have you accepted Jesus? Yeah, yeah. Have you done it? Yeah. And, and I, I think in those moments, as we talked about in Bible study in the past, just to clarify to them what this actually means with faith and believing and what that looks, a very careful conversation, of course. You just don't want to bring down the axe and say, that's not right, right? You really bring them to, well, what is this about? What is faith about? Like, what is the nature of faith in itself? So do people believe in Jesus because they decide to follow him? Can you decide to follow him? That's the question. Can you decide, I'm going to eat. I'm not going to eat, but if I was going to eat today, I'm, I am going to eat, but probably not a cheeseburger. Not today. I just don't feel like it. It's bad for you and a lot of red meat isn't always good in life, right? Um, so um, you're getting to that point, right, where you have to care for your body or else it hurts. Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, the point is we have decisions on any, you know, what college you went to, what spouse you decide uh, to be with for the rest of your life. Um, what other decisions can you make in life? What car you buy. Of course, Jeff. <laughs> what car you buy or, Tina, what, what school you... Occupation. occupation. and what school you want to teach at, right? Um, Dave, what numbers do you like to punch? Or you just punch them all, you know? <laughs> um, but, or, uh, uh, Chris, what music piece you'd like to play? Uh, you have all these deciding processes, even um, for us, uh, my wife and I coming to Moorpark... Um, that was a decision that we had to make prayerfully, of course, but it was still a decision, right? Um, I could do this all day, but like Nancy, she could decide on what, sorry, I'm going to totally ruin this, but what um, colors of, of thread you need to use to make it look nice, um, <laughs> or what, uh, what shoes you're going to wear for walking this morning. You know, we, we have all these different decisions we make because we literally make how many decisions in a day? How many decisions do we make in a day? Can you count? I mean, all the minute decisions in your mind, and am I going to go to Costco? Am I going to go to Ralph's? Say, do I get 80-15 meat 
or 92, 93.7, 85.15, right? I mean, grass-fed, open range, brown eggs, white eggs. Um, I could do this. Colby cheese, cheddar cheese, uh, ham, turkey, chicken. I mean, we can do this all day with decisions. We, we have all the decisions that we want to make, um, organic or regular. So um, anyways, but the point is there are a lot of decisions that we make. But when it comes to spiritual matters, do we have the same, can I pick turkey or ham with, I know that sounds kind of basic, but does it go the same with, with our faith? Yes, yes, and that's what we're talking about today. So here we see in, the, in Explanation 1, basically, um, uh, this is from our confessions, and I kind of typed them out for you, uh, just to see what they were dealing with in the 1500s and how we still deal with them today. It's no, it's no change. It's still the deal, right? So Explanation 1, according to free will, um, if someone could read that, actually, I'll read it because the mic is here. But um, it says right here, The one party held and taught that although human beings cannot fulfill God's command on the basis of our own powers and cannot truly trust, fear, and love God without the grace of the Holy Spirit, they certainly retain enough natural powers before rebirth so they can in some way prepare themselves to receive grace even though weakly and to give their yes. So that was one explanation of free will. Is that true? Explanation two, God converts human beings without any created means and tools. That is through his spirit apart from the external proclamation and hearing of God's word. So that's again another element that we don't talk about too much, but can people have faith without the word of God? They could go to nature and the light bulb just turns on and they look at a tree or a bird without any word, just say, oh, I believe in God. Does, is that how this works? Um, again, what, what God is that? And we could go over that all day. But anyways, explanation three, human beings were so corrupted through the fall of our first parents that in spiritual matters concerning our conversion and the salvation of our soul, they are by nature blind at that when God's word is preached, they do not and cannot understand it. Instead, they regard it as foolishness and cannot use it to bring themselves near to God. On the contrary, they are converted, made believers, were born, and renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit through the word as it is preached and heard. So when it comes to these three explanations, uh, do, do you have any thoughts about these? Are there red flags that come up or, or maybe a comment of, oh yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that before, or that's a common you know, that's a common way to see it. Any, any thoughts or comments on these three explanations that we see here? Anything at all? Um, for the first explanation, uh, do we have the natural power before rebirth? Do we have the natural power? And that's the question. Do we have the natural power to believe? Are we born with a clean slate? No. Right? No, right? We are not born with a clean slate. The fall sin has brought forth not a clean slate. An explanation two, can we uh, uh, receive, uh, can we believe without the word of God? Can we have this mystical understanding of God without the word Jesus Christ? No, but we see that we see that a lot. Well, we talked about it last week with spiritual, not religious. It's very similar to how people will view this coming to faith. Um, and again, um, in explanation two, I think their faith is that's a different spaghetti of so many different ideas that you'd have to kind of talk with them about what that faith is apart from the Word of God. Um, but also, um, explanation three, uh, this is, uh, very important. Human beings were so corrupted. Do you believe, I know that's a bad news, right? Do you believe in the corruption of the flesh? I'm like, this is, this is the understanding of, of the flesh and 
why is, why is full corruption important? Why is it important to understand? Why isn't Anthony just 75, 75% corrupted? Sorry, Anthony, I know. I, for all of us, I mean, right? Why isn't he, why, what is it about full corruption? I, it's hard to swallow, in a sense, because I think us humans don't want to, you know, we inherently want to think that, oh, you know, Janice, she's a, she's a great person, and she is, right? Uh, she's a great person, um, but it doesn't negate the fact that she was born into full corruption. Now, being a great person, that can go on in so many different paths, right? And what we mean by great person is, for us Christians, is that <clears throat> she's covered by the blood of Christ, she's forgiven of her sins, and she's paid in one for her uh, by his death and resurrection. But in the world, the great person would be um, and this isn't, we shouldn't limit the great person that people are. They, they love and serve their neighbor. They're great at their job and all these things. But it's all out of the fruit of who we are as Christian, right? Not because of those things we are great, right? Uh, so full corruption is very important to understand because at the end of the day, we very well know that in full corruption, can we do the work? Can, can Tina do the work? Can Don punch the numbers and formulate salvation through a specific algorithm? Can he do that? Well, maybe, I don't know. Don, Don is a brilliant man. But even then, he can't do it, right? Oh, that would be, that would be crazy. Anyways, um, so the, the fact is, when we talk about full corruption due to sin, and of course the fall, an original sin, this is uh, the starting point. Um, and the, the misunderstanding of this is what? As I said earlier, a lot of people will just say, like Janice, will, will, you know, hypothetically might say, um, yeah, I'm a, I am a good person. So, you know, in that spiritual religious crowd, you know, I am a good person. So, you know, I know you believe in Jesus, but... But I know that I'm good, and, and because of it, I know God is happy with me. And, you know, I think he's pleased with me. I mean, me and him have a, a very close relationship, uh, and I don't really need Jesus, right? But what, is, what, is, what are they really saying in that moment right there? There's nothing of this, the understanding of this full corruption, right? Like, when we say full corruption... We, in the sermon today, we talked about, for those that are going to second service, um, we talked about full joy, right? Full corruption, but full joy. And here we see in this corruption that we are, as it says in Scripture, what does it say? It says we are, um, we are once dead in our trespasses, right? Uh, that we are dead. We are dead. For the wages of sin is death, right? As it says in Romans. So when we talk about dead, uh, what does dead mean? What does dead mean? If I see, we see a lot of squirrels on the road, right, that are run over. In Colorado, they have snakes, so I'm just saying. They have roadkiller snakes. But here we see a lot of squirrels, right? Do you see a lot of squirrels? I see them a lot at my house, and they're run over. And what do you look at? What, what do you see when you see a dead squirrel? No life. Like, and there's only decomposition, right? I mean, the, the squirrel's not going to decide to just... Oh, yeah, huh? <laughs> I could be alive now, right? Even though I'm... Oh, it's so gross. Anyways, but the point is, is that when we talk about being dead in trespasses, this is, this is the picture of ourselves. We are dead. And dead people cannot be made alive by their own free will. Because they're dead. Right? And this is, I think, the big point to what this faith is all about. It always starts. I mean, you look at Luther's works. His Genesis 3 commentary is very long. Why? Because it shows us the, the importance of understanding the fall and for all that it brings to all the world. Um, and here we see the reality of our sin and how corrupt we truly are. You might tell yourself, oh, that's some bad news. I don't, I don't want to hear that. 
um, I'm a good person. I don't know what pastor's saying. You know, I, I give to charity. I help in church. And I, I don't ever deny that you don't do that. And that's great. But when it comes to your will, your deciding process, uh, spiritual matters takes on a different color. And, and here we see a question within the question right here on your paper. I could do this forever with questions within the question. But can we cooperate completely halfway or even in the slightest in terms of our own conversion? Can we cooperate? What does cooperate mean? Working with, very good. Can we do that? Even in the, in the slightest of ways, can we, can we cooperate in terms of our conversion? Yes, no, maybe. Depends on the day. Yes, yes, and this is, this is another point about full corruption, right? is that our nature is to do what? Our nature, and this is, uh, is to rebel and refuse. This is our inherent fleshly nature. Again, full corruption, and, and thank you for bringing, up that, bringing that up, Chris, because when we talk about our natural inclination, um, it is to rebel and refuse. That is our, the nature of the course, um, and this is all due to the full corruption. If we don't understand full corruption, then this rebel and refuse becomes very muddied, and it becomes more of a middle. We, we go in the middle and say, well, we could do this or that, right? But when it comes to full corruption, because of sin, we very well know that this is our nature. Now, think about that. This is our nature in the flesh. Um, and uh, what a... What a Humbling reality this is according to Scripture. So, can we cooperate completely? But even in the slightest of terms, can we cooperate with God on spiritual matters in terms of our conversion? You know, I keep coming back to the passage in Ephesians, which we just went through in the other Bible study, chapter 2, verse 8. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's right. So it, it's eliminated the whole idea of being part of your salvation, of going to God, the decision theology type world. What is, what is the danger of, of even the slightest amount of free will in terms of conversion? What is the implication of that? What happens when we go down that track of, of decision and... and um, I mean, do people know, are, are we aware of that when we do that? Like, are we, do we see, you know, like I decided, I choose uh, as if it's my own decision. Um, what, who is taken out of the equation right there? Sunday school answer. Sunday school answer. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus right? <laughs> uh, even we'll talk about predestination in the upcoming weeks. It, like, how does God's election work? I know that's that probably take a whole year to talk about, but we'll just take one, one class. We can do it, anyways. Uh, but uh, uh, but again, when it comes to predestination, everyone will ask, "Well, who is predestined?" Right? Like, who is the chosen people? Like, let's try to figure it out. Like, why God not some? Why God not other? But even in that, and I did this in a devotion one day. If you check it out somewhere, too many devotions. I don't remember where it is. Or what I said, but I think I said something about when we start, oh no, it's in our Bible study in Ephesians chapter one. 
that when we start going down that trail, what happens to Jesus? We don't even talk about him anymore. It just becomes about who's chosen and who's not. And we need to ask ourselves, how are we chosen? That is, how are we converted? Right? And if, it's, if we fail to see the full corruption for what it brings, and no one wants to hear that about themselves, right? We're, we're prideful people, right? We want to say, I'm, a, I'm equipped. I can do this myself. I'm Jeff, Jeff Mark. I, I, I'm a Swiss Army knife, and I can have just another tool right, to get this done as well. I know the toothpick was always the one that I was always quivering about. Like, who used that toothpick? I wonder. I'm a Swiss Army knife. Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, the point is, is that, no, we, we cannot... We cannot. Um, and why is this so important? And Dave brought up a good point about Ephesians 2, about grace. And when we talk about not from ourselves, not our own doing, yet gift from God, lest no one may boast, uh, this is all rooted in uh, the will of God. And we see it right here. Um, if someone could read... Uh, right there at the bottom, uh, 1 Corinthians two thirteen to 14, the wisdom from the Spirit. What can we, if someone can read that out loud, real loud. It's, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. All right. So, so again, why is this a text so important? What, what stands out here? Um, what is human wisdom? What is human wisdom? Um, you know, Chris has um, her wisdom is... Oh, you don't have to wince on that one. No, her wisdom is great, right? Her musical wisdom is just beyond the charts. Uh, you all have wisdom in so many different ways. Like Ken does sound. Uh, I, that takes an ear, a wise ear to, to, to hear all these things and to level everything out. Uh, but what is it about human? How far is human wisdom? How far does that go on a measuring stick? I mean, some of you are teachers here, so I know wisdom is a big part of that teaching process. But, but when it comes to spiritual matters, how wise do you have to be to believe? What's your IQ to believe? Well, is there an IQ for faith? I think it really goes in the other direction. The less you depend on your own wisdom, I think the easier it is for God to impart his. Why do we depend on our own human wisdom, though, in terms of spiritual matters? I'm so smart about everything else. I must be smart about this, too. Even you, Dave? That's right. Childlike faith. That's right. And, and it's so true. You know, when we talk about human wisdom, uh, we are being taught all the time by the world. And even when it comes to our spirituality, uh, when it comes to our faith in Christian uh, in Christ, uh, that also can be shaped by the world and the wisdom that they perceive the faith to be. I think that's why the study of God's word is so important because you're not saying, oh, yeah, that's right. You're actually critically thinking and discerning and saying, wait, what is that? Is that true? And if it is true according to scripture, that's great. But if it's not, that's when you get on your running shoes and you run, right? Uh, so, so again, you know, when, when it comes to uh, the human wisdom, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned, that, that we are blind, right? That we are unable. So if it was up to IQ, um, the smartest people in the world would believe. If it was up to IQ, right? And that's always, I always wonder about IQ. Very humbling. Anyways, uh, yes, Carrie. The word desire keeps coming through my mind, though. What of our, even though, though we're, not, we're not capable, it's the spirit that gives us the faith 
can we desire, like I, I so desire to, to build my faith, to grow in my faith, desire. Where, what, what does desire flow from? Yeah. Because yeah. then, you know, we desire to love our neighbor because of who we are. Fruits of the Spirit, yeah, bearing fruit. Because of the Spirit, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, so uh, you know, I, I think here, uh, you know, when we talk about, uh, if we look at our handout here, uh, St. Paul refers to wisdom as secret in verse 7 as a mystery to the fallen condition of man. You know, again, that's why evangelism is so great. Because if you understand this text right here, you know that it's not about you. Like, you know that it's not your ingenuity that brings someone to faith. You give them the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit works. The Word and the will of ways, however the wind blows, you trust in the Word of God. See, this is what, we're, this is what we face, right? Natural people. And we know what that is. So we have great empathy, because we know the spiritual problem that is at hand. That our will is to rebel. Our will is to reject. That is the nature, the natural man. So when you see someone who's anti-Christian, right? You don't, you don't get angry. You actually pray for them. And, and, and you, you know what they're going through because of, of the flesh that we were born into. Understanding this, Right? Right? And that's, that's so key, understanding total corruption and what the fall has brought to the table for, for each and every one of us. But thanks be to God, as Dave brought up, grace, uh, what a great gift this is, a free gift. And, and it needs to be this way, right? Once we start adding ourselves into this uh, salvation story, our, we're starting to pen that story ourselves, right? Like Jesus is nowhere near that story when I say, oh, I did it, I did it, I did it, Right? And for me, um, you know, uh, not being Lutheran all my life, I thought I did it, right? But then when terror struck, when my sin and shame was just embedded in me, then what, what do you think I told myself? What do you think I told myself in that? What do you think I told myself right there? Anyone, guess. You don't have to be too deep, but, you know. Any, any thoughts on that? What do you think I told myself in my conscience? You're not good enough. You're or, not or I didn't choose hard enough. Or I didn't decide genuinely enough. And how dangerous is that? T- tell me, if, if it's about genuine, uh, have I done enough? Well, I've got to re-up it and do this again. How many re-ups are we going to have if it's all, all about, I mean, we're, we're re-upping like, I mean, more than our cell phone every two years, we're, <laughs> we're re-upping. Like, like, and at the end of the day, if it's always I, 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 it's because I have that will, uh, where are we left at the end of the day? 100 times out of 100, we are left in despair. And despair is a picture with no hope, right? So this is very important for people to understand because at the end of the day, for us, we know this is where people will end up because if it's I... Then at the end of the day, it's like, okay, what have I done? And you realize your sin, your shame, your guilt. And that verb or that subject of I is very weak. Not only weak, but dead, right? Uh, That subject of the verb is dead. And and that is the great nightmare of the flesh. I like that great nightmare of the flesh. Anyways, um, anyways, um, I talk to myself all the time just randomly at the store and when I'm out. Anyways, so we see right here uh, the secret. For at one time you were darkness, uh, Ephesians 5, 8. Uh, these are all excerpts from the Bible. The light shines in darkness. That's talking about Jesus, right? John 1, 5. Um, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2, and were by nature children of wrath, Ephesians 2. The mind is hostile to God, Romans 8. Right? So when we talk about these scriptural readings, the light, Jesus came into darkness. Right? He didn't come into semi-dark. He didn't come with the nightlight on in the corner, as my kids like their nightlight on. Sorry, kids, I know. I'm not saying you're afraid of the dark, but well, some of you are. Anyways, but the point is, is that, you know, uh, no, it's complete darkness that he comes. 
And, and, and that points you to all of us in complete darkness. Complete. Not there's a flicker of hope as if we can make that ourselves. No, Jesus comes in complete darkness to be the marvelous eternal light. Right? So that, that this understanding is very important because I can't, I can't emphasize this enough because once we think that it's slightly corrupted or 90% corrupted, that I comes in, and you know who also comes in? The devil, who accuses you. I said, Chris, have you done enough? I like, I think so. Are you sure? And soon enough, you realize, wait, have I decided enough? Have I chosen enough? Have I been genuine enough? Maybe I didn't decide in the first place enough. Maybe I didn't choose rightly enough. I mean, all these questions come into mind when, in fact, when the devil asks you that very question, your faithful answer is yes, because Jesus has done all of it, right? And all the question marks have been answered in that whirlwind of free will and have I done enough, right? So here we see the reality of our flesh. We're hostile to God. Without the proper understanding of original sin and the fall, the natural person may attempt to seek God on his own will. Yet it is only by the Spirit, through the Word, that faith is created. Our own will takes away the cross. Our own will says, I could, I could do better. Um, our own will might even say, I know that Jesus died for me, but now, as we heard the sermon this morning, keeping my commandments, I need to do that to stamp that seal right? No, the seal is stamped by the one who died on the cross for you and who gives you life in his name. This is the will of God. Our will is to rebel. His will is to save. And that's what he does. That's why when, I, when I, we always pray the petition, thy will be done, this always reminds me in a catechetical moment of, of, of the, the battle of the wills. What is my will and what is the Lord's will? And soon enough, I realize his will is done, not my own. And it has to be that way because of this reality of sin, right? And this is, this is the thing, you know. I, uh, once we do not understand original sin and, and the results of it, even when we hear the gospel, we tell ourselves, and many people will say, I've heard this too many times, about I have to be a good Christian now, right? Like, I have to do this. And when we talk about what full corruption is, we realize that it's no, it's no longer a have to because I can't do it. But it's Christ in me who does all things, right? And you see how that, that these channels of, of faith can greatly determine, I don't know, Jeff, did you ever read um, Anthony? I know the younger guy's here. No offense. But did you, <laughs> did you ever read Choose Your Own Adventure? Remember those? Right? If you, I, I'd always cheat. I'd always see and then go, oh, no, I don't want that one. Let's go to that one. But, uh, <laughs> but the choose your own adventure books, right? You're choosing your own adventure and you go on the next page 50 from 20 and, and you see what happens. I always, they, were so, they don't make those anymore, by the way. They should. Anyways, uh, but what were we saying? About, um, about this choice that, that we can't. We can't choose. And um, this is, I think, uh, the natural person and the reality that we have um, in our sin. And once we think we can, then trust me, it becomes about you. And when it becomes about Nancy or Don or, or Lois or, or Dave or Ken or even Jeff, um, then the devil's got us. Because if it's about you, it's not about the cross anymore. Like 90% cross isn't cross. Does that mean, like, does, does that mean, like 90% cross is not cross? Do you understand that? Like, 100% cross is 100% cross. There's no other message. Uh, that, that It's not like 90%, okay, you go do the 10, and you make this story complete. You shut the book and say, look, I've done it. No, it's, it's because of our understanding that everything is about Christ and his grace. Right? Uh, because of that understanding of the fall, we are dead and have no power at all. Yes, Chris. Uh, Carrie, yes. So then, free 
will, we don't have free will, it's the spirit that gives us the faith, right? But what about when we when people rebel or refuse or turn away from Christ, turn away from the true faith? And that happens all the time. Certainly the spirit isn't it is powerful enough to prevent that from happening and it certainly isn't causing that to happen. Yeah? Well, so if we can rebel, if we can refuse, isn't that free will? Or that is the the nature. Free will in spiritual matters is in 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 this conversation would be the free will to to decide on Jesus, right? Our nat natural will, or just our nature, our nature, our natural will is to rebel, right? Uh, your question about well. Why do they rebel, or, or, or why not some and why others? Like, why, how does that work, right? How does the Holy Spirit work in a sense of why does, why does Ken believe, and why not um, Mike down the street? Uh, yet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> good, yet. But why? But why? But you might have people who were believers. Right, and then suddenly you have people who turn away. But like, so what's the, what's? But, but, but were they believers then? That's that's when you start to ask that question. Were they truly believers when they were truly? Well, then come on, Holy Spirit. Come on, Holy Spirit. Are you... <laughs> that's a good Luther answer, Nancy. I don't know, but why is I don't know? The right answer. Why is I don't know the right answer? Because we don't. We're not God, of course. We know that he says he wants all to believe and come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's his will for all mankind, every single person that ever lived and breathed. And what's the mystery right there? That there are some that many are called, but few are, you know, and, and that's the mystery. I, and you have to leave that to God. That's right. Like, criticize him for not doing his part, like blowing you over with the spirit or something, because he does, but, you know. Yeah. We're just creatures, and he's God. Yes. But we do know how he works, in a sense of how faith is created in each and every one of us, and that is by the very living word of Christ. See, that's, that's the thing, you know, when we, it goes back to human wisdom in that first verse. Like, why do you, you know, I always tell the confirmation kids, like, what's so important about a sermon? Why do you listen to it? And a lot of times they would say, oh, to get to know more about God. Like, to, to get to know more knowledge about God and, and all the, you know, to get to know more things about the Bible, right? And I would say, okay, that's good, that's good, that's good. Uh, but even more, uh, it is the word shows you and delivers you the goods, and that is Jesus Christ. And when you hear God's word, I know we have a lot of young babies here, um, young family uh, at that 1030 service, and I always see the kids, and God is working through that word in them. And, and when we trust that the word of God does what it wills, that is our faith. Does that make sense? The, the, the word is the one that gives us the comfort of salvation. And it is in this very word that points us to Jesus that we know that's how the Holy Spirit works. It's not about human wisdom. It's about spiritual matters that is of Jesus Christ and the salvation for your soul. That is what is at stake when it comes to the word of God. And that's very different in a someone, than someone who says, I already know that. Oh, I've already heard that story. I don't have to hear that. But the, the better question would be is, why do you hear this word, right? Is it, is it to keep up with your decision? Is it to, to stay within your piety saying, look, I've done this, I've decided, I choose, I, I go to church every week and I've fulfilled the commandments and, and Lord, I've done it, so please let me in? No, it's because you know of this and you know this, Christ, is the only word that you will hear until the end of time, the gospel, right? Uh, because we very well know through the long gospel, we see 
uh, what we are up against, and that is ourselves. And it's Jesus who uh, definitely does give us, by his will, uh, his cross and empty tomb. Okay, so we see right here, uh, Philippians 2, 13 to 14. Uh, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So that's interesting right there, right? If you just take uh, one, what phrase in that verse can cause someone to take it incorrectly? I mean, based on total corruption, right? based on what we were born into ever since Genesis chapter 3, what is one line there that... Work out your own salvation. I mean, for anyone who decides and chooses, this is, yeah, okay, this is what it says, right? Um, but is that, is that what it says? Uh, it says right there in verse 13, for it is God who works in you, right? Uh, who is doing the work? Are you working out your own salvation, or is it God who works salvation for you? Now, again, when we look at Scripture, we don't just take one verse and just, you know, as we do in the media. I'm not going to talk about media, but there could be one line that they use, and they go with it. And they're like, let's see the whole context, right, before we just take a snippet of what one person said, right, and just defame them quickly. Uh, But, uh, no, we, we look at the whole context of Scripture, and we realize, can we work? Or is, is this what uh, St. Paul is saying to the Philippians? That based on what all he had said, right? <laughs> right here, right? Is this what he's saying? Is, is he saying that the faith comes from God and to work, like, keep yourself open to God? Let your prayer, it's not like a work work, but keep yourself open to God through prayer. That his spirit is staying in you. Well, in faith, in, in faithful words, like as a faithful child of God who is living according to His Word, I think I'm trying to kind of reword it for you. But go ahead. No, no, and, and that desire we talked about earlier, wants, uh, all by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We see right here in our notes, even with St. Paul's absence, the Philippians continued in faith. They did many good works in the Philippians, they did. God, God continued to work through the Philippians, yet he reminds them of the danger that is at hand. They must tread with fear and trembling, right? That is, the poison of sin is toxic, and they are to proceed in faithfulness given to them by holding fast to the word of life, verse 16, which we don't have there. We are unable to work out our salvation by our own obedience, but rather it is through our gracious Lord who works in you. As we look at our flesh, we tremble, yet in faith we look to Christ and his will, the gospel. Right? So that is the fear and trembling, is we know that as Christians, uh, there is that, that trembling, that poison of sin that continues to tempt us, the devil does, but yet at the same time, it is God who works and who points you to Christ, and that is your life of faith, Jesus, right? Um, and, and this is uh, what we see here. All right, uh, 1 Corinthians, oh, we, leave, we stop at 10.15, right? Not 10.30, that's when we start service at 10.30. All right, oops. So 1 Corinthians 12, we'll end with this. If so, we could read that real loud. Therefore, sure. thank you, Jeff. All right, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, right? So when someone comes up to you and, and we believe, and this decision theology is very, it's very common, right? It's very common. But I, I guess this study is to show us what is really happening there with understanding who we are. Uh, and here it says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, right? Um, I know I always joke about Abe on his confirmation test. He says, how do you know you're a Christian? On his draft, on his practice test, he just wrote, Holy Spirit, period. <laughs> and I go home, and I'm like, dude, that's all you wrote? 
He's like, yeah, because it's the right answer. Uh, and I'm like, I know. You just wanted to write the least. Anyways, but on the final, he did differently. But the point is, is that, you know, in, in some way, I know Abe might hear this. He, he, he's right. It's by the work of the Holy Spirit that points us to Christ, the redemption, right? It's Christ who has done his will by dying on the cross for our sins. And there we can say, as we open our mouths, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, right? That as you hear these words of Christ there uh, by his living word, you are enlivened and enlightened by his gifts. Article 3 of the Creed in our Catechism where there he calls you to the gospel by his very word, not by human reason or strength, right? But the Holy Spirit has called you by the gospel. And he enlightens you with his gifts. I'll close with this. When we talk about full corruption, we, we very well know at the end of the day, uh, decision theology cannot be done because we are dead in our sin. And that it's the complete work of God and his grace in Jesus Christ that he works salvation for us by his very will. That is the death and resurrection of our Lord. But in the same way, what goes hand in hand is this. When we talk about the sacrament, when we talk about baptism in the Lord's Supper, it is the same. Those that decide and think they have the will, baptism becomes their will. Uh, The Lord's Supper becomes their will to give something to God in communion. Now for us, you know, we know this full corruption And baptism becomes the work to which he gives to us by his grace. And we in the mystery of faith receive that gift all by the filling of the Holy Spirit and the the power of God's word and the promise that lies in his word, right? Uh, What happens at the supper? We know that we are given the very body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. We're not giving any honor to God in that very moment. Rather, he is serving us his body and blood. And we are receiving. We are always receiving. And it has to be this way. Because we know of our flesh, and this is our life of faith. It is outside of ourselves, and that's the key, right? Outside to in. The word and sacrament, outside to in. One of these days we're going to talk about, is the sacrament the gospel? And that's a question I think, I don't know if you've ever heard it before, but that's a question we must also talk about as well, of how does God work? And... um, Anyways, uh, that's another question we'll have in the future. But here we see, uh, in our conclusion, do people believe in Jesus because they decide to follow him on their own free will? The answer is no. All who come to faith do so because the Holy Spirit works faith in them. If some do not have faith, it is because they rejected the Spirit. Question? Anyone have an answer for that before we close? I think it's more their nature. It has to do with the nature of the of human beings. It's an automatic response. We are anti-God. And if you really sit down and go through Genesis 3, that's really what that whole story was all about. The rejection of God as God. But we all had that, right? We that within each and every one of us, and yet we are here. Yeah. We, we have faith. We didn't reject the spirit. And again, I mean, I'm doing the free will thing. Yeah. But it's the spirit who calls you by the gospel, and this is the mystery of faith our faith in the word of God and what he has done for us. And that's the mystery of I don't know, is that I don't know, in a sense. But what I do know is that by that very word that has called me to faith, he has pointed me to Christ, the one who dies for my sin. And that is my faith. That is, that is uh, when I was saved 2,000 years ago. That's when I was saved in the water and word of holy baptism. Right? That's when I'm saved. Because you see in all these thoughts or all these words, um, it's all about what he does. Right? It takes us out of the equation, if you, you know, in any equation that you might make. Uh, it takes us out. And 
because automatic reply in an email, you know, you get the automatic reply. Our automatic reply is yes, I was born into sin, and I need someone to make me alive. And that is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I can't do that. I can't. I'm dead. I need to be made alive. Lazarus, right? So uh, it's a profound question that we'll always wonder why, why some and not others, but all we do know is that it's by the word of God given to us through, through the Holy Spirit in the study and preached word um, in his word and sacrament. So that is where we stay, all in the working of God. So um, for those that in your life that are still struggling with that, pray for them that the Lord may enliven them and enlighten their hearts with this word. Continue to pray, right? Because you know that it's by the very word that they'll believe. Nothing else, right? Not, their own, not your own great words or, or anything like that, but the Holy Spirit calls them, right? Just like Nicodemus, right? Just like all the faithful, right? It's all by the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is, uh, this is something greater than just, I'm hearing the word, I'm studying the word. It, it's, it's deeper than that. It's where the Holy Spirit works, for, us, for you Christians, for all of us, uh, to be sustained in that very word, as this word always points us back to Christ, right? And that is our faith. So, um, all right, I got to prepare for second service. So why don't we close with a word of prayer? Let's close. Uh, dear Holy Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, Lord, we know that your will is done. Lord, bless us and, and grant us great comfort knowing that our assurance of salvation is in you and your promise in the gospel. Bless us in your word and grant us faith to trust Thank you, O Lord, for your grace that your will is done. Bless us this day, and may this word uh, dwell within us as we continue on our week. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moorpark, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.